0: series on the great ecumenical creeds of the church last week we talked about the apostles apostles creed and today we turn our attention to the nicene creed when i talk about the nicene creed i'm going to refer specifically to the creed that arose out of the council of nicaea council of nicaea was held in 325 and interestingly was called by emperor constantine you may recall that constantine was the one who first legitimized the Christian faith as far as uh, from a political standpoint is concerned when he uh, made Christianity sort of the official religion of the empire. Now why did the emperor call this, uh, this council together and why was the church agreeable to coming together to discuss this particular issue? Well, as I had told you before, the fundamental questions that arose, the nature of Jesus, the nature of God, the nature of the Holy Spirit, were all in flux during this early period. Not in flux in the sense that there was a lot of um, uh, equally competing views, but rather that there were challenges that came up to different views about the nature of Jesus, nature of the Holy Spirit, and so on. There was an Alexandrian presbyter named Arius who held a position that ended up being rejected by the church, but it was the debate around this particular question that brought the Council of Nicaea together. And here was the question. What is the nature of Jesus Christ? Is he fully God or what? Arius took a position, as best we can tell. Let me just footnote this a little bit, though. The only writing, all we really know of the writings of Arius are a few relatively short pieces. Uh, And in fact, most of what we get about Arius' position comes to us uh, in a book by Athanasius who was actually writing against the position of Arius. So whether or not you get a fully accurate presentation of what Arius actually said or not really isn't important because there was a position called Arianism, and this is the position that, that Athanasius wrote against, and it's the one that this council was called together to deal with. Was Jesus fully God or not? That was the question that the council tried to deal with. Arius' position was that Jesus was divine but was created. That made him really something kind of in between being fully God and being fully human. Uh, What exactly it means to be divine if you're created, Arius was not clear about. But what the church struggled with was, uh, can someone who's created, who's not God in every sense of the word, really accomplish human salvation? And so that's the question that the church was pulled together to try to deal with and to try to resolve. What does it take for humans to be saved? What must we understand about the nature of Jesus? And what this council concluded and what the church has held consistently pretty much since then is that only someone who is fully God can do for humans what needs to be done in restoring us to right relationship with God. Let's take a look at the the creed that arose from the Council of Nicaea and see how it differs From the Apostles' Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, all powerful, maker of all things, both seen and unseen, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten from the Father, the only begotten, that is, from the essence of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came to be, both those in heaven and those in earth who for us humans and for our salvation came down and became incarnate and became human. He suffered, and the third day he rose again, ascended into heaven. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead and in the Holy Spirit. Now you'll notice a number of changes, or differences rather, from the Apostles' Creed. If I can just start at the tail end first, you don't get any of those uh, uh, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and so on. that's pretty much truncated altogether. And it's because the question was around the nature of Jesus. That's also why you see a very short treatment of the Holy Spirit, just almost as an afterthought, and in the Holy Spirit tacked on at the end. What you do notice, though, is some strong repetitive language affirming the full deity, the full divinity of Jesus. True God from true God, Light from light, of the same substance as the Father right? So the church is trying to be really clear in its affirmation about who Jesus is. The distinction though is that here the church talks about uh, Jesus as being begotten but not made. So they're denying Arius' claim that Jesus was created. And the relationship between father and son is analogous to a human relationship in the sense that the son is begotten from the father. But what the church will say, and we'll see this a little more clearly in the next one, is that this is an eternal beginning. So the church recognizes that the metaphor of begottenness breaks down at some point. But what do you do, right? The church is dealing with mysterious things about the inner nature of God. And what it's trying to do is articulate those in the best way that it can to maintain its understanding of salvation and the restoration of right relationship to God. So begotten, while as an analogy breaks down at some point, is their way of trying to draw the tightest connection between God the Father and God the Son. Next week we'll move to the Creed of Constantinople and we'll get into a little more detail about the uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The reason I separate these two is because as I said earlier, this 65 year period from 325 at Nicaea and 381 to Constantinople is really an intense period of the church working out how it's going to talk about and understand God's nature, the nature of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you really want to delve into this, there's a book by RPC Hansen called The Search for the Christian Doctrine of God. It's a thousand pages and it only covers those 65 years, but you'd learn everything you'd ever possibly want to know about the early church's development of the doctrine of God. That's the Creed of Nicaea. Next week, we move on to Constantinople and look at the Creed that was developed there.